Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lenz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the program when you visit walkintruth.com. We encourage you to keep the spirit of Christmas alive by spreading the love and gospel of Christ with friends, family, and strangers. Now, please join us for the next half hour for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, called Knowledge Puffs Up, Love Builds Up. You notice that Paul is saying that even though an idol, back to chapter 8, is nothing in the world, demons, and there is a spirit world that the Bible says is real, demons somehow use idols or false religion to mess with people. And when Israel was opening up themselves to demonic activity and idolatry of the surrounding nations, they opened themselves up to demonic activity. I want to pause here for a second and say to you, just because you're a Christian does not mean if you open the door to demonic activity. Let me give you an example. If you're a Christian and let's say somebody invited you to a seance and you say, oh, I'm going to go because this, this stuff is hogwash anyway or I don't believe it. And let's say that you go to that. Well, all of a sudden, what you've done is you've opened yourself up to a place where people are actually calling into the spirit world, but if something answers, it's potentially demonic. And I don't know what the Lord's going to do with you in that kind of situation, but I'll say this to you. If you mess with it, look out, because the Lord might teach you some really hard lessons right there. And you can see that this is not, this chapter and these three chapters are not simply about what are you going to eat, what are you going to drink, what are you going to wear. Some people think they can drink wine, some people say no, some people eat meat, some people don't, some people eat vegetables only. This is not a matter of opinion section. This is about Paul saying to a group of people, the decision that you have made is based upon a knowledge that I'm going to tell you is off. You think you get it? Paul would say, you don't get it. You think that this is about your individual rights? Paul would argue, no, it's not. This is something much more serious. And I want to show you something that the Bible says about idols. It's found in Ezekiel 14. All right, so it's kind of like past the halfway point of the Old Testament. If you don't want to turn there, don't worry about it. This is Ezekiel 14, and this is regarding idols. This is what God says to Israel regarding idols. Ezekiel 14.3. As you turn, let me just explain what an idol is. An idol is something opposed to the true and living God. The Bible says it is lifeless and dumb. For Jews, idols and pagan gods were identical. The term connoted for both Jews and most Christians something detestable that is an idol. And Ezekiel is going to tell us a little bit more about what idols are and do. Ezekiel 14, look at verse 3. Son of man, these men, Ezekiel 14, 3, have set up their idols, where? In their hearts. And have put right before their faces the stumbling block of their iniquity. Should I be consulted by them at all? Therefore speak to them and tell them, God saying to Ezekiel, Tell the people of Israel, tell the leaders. Thus says the Lord God, any man of the house of Israel who sets up his idols in his heart puts right before his face the stumbling block of his iniquity. 
and then comes to the prophet, I, the Lord, will be brought to give him an answer in the matter in view of the multitude of his idols, in order to lay hold of the hearts of the house of Israel, who are, notice what the Bible says, estranged from me through their idols. Idols will ultimately estrange you from God. What's an idol? Apparently, an idol is a matter of the heart. It's not just a statue or a block of wood or a stone. It's something that gets erected in your heart that potentially either hurts your relationship with God or can estrange you from God. An idol is something that you elevate above the living God or try to worship alongside the living God. I think it was John Calvin who said, the heart of man is a perpetual idol-making factory. Just when we think we may not have an idol in our life, we can look at something and say, man, that, I have actually elevated that above God. And we can make an idol out of anything. In fact, I'd submit to you, some people, rather than being in church this morning, are waxing their idol. Oh, we're going to go out for a drive today. Now, there's nothing wrong with waxing your car or your motorcycle. Just don't do it between the hours of 8 and noon on Sundays, right? And if you find yourself bowing down before that cherry red machine in your driveway, then we could offer counseling to you, okay? Just call the church office because there is an issue going on. You see, idolatry is a matter of the heart. Now, I'm going to show you one more. It's in the book of Numbers, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So the first five books go to Numbers 25. Here's what happened with Israel. Israel was constantly being tempted by this to give in to the idols around them. Numbers 25. <clears throat> this is a story that Paul will reference in a couple chapters from now, but <clears throat> here's what it says. Numbers 25.1. While Israel remained at Shittim, the people, Numbers 25, 1, began to play the harlot with the daughters of Moab. For they invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, Numbers 25, 2. And the people ate and bowed down to their gods. And so Israel joined themselves to Baal Peor, and the Lord was angry against Israel. I could show you many sections, and that's just one of them, where Israel did this, Solomon did this, to appease his many wives. Back to 1 Corinthians 8. He made high places. He burned incense to these false gods. And the Bible says that God was angry with Solomon. Why? Because how dumb is it to know the true and the living God, to know his power, his majesty, to taste and see that the Lord is good, and then go back to something that is man-made and potentially even demonic. In the Old Testament, you know, there's, there's these ideas that the people would craft an idol out of their own hands. They would make it out of wood or stone, and they'd, they'd put it up on the table and make sure that it didn't fall over. All right? They'd, they'd make sure their God didn't totter. You okay? You good? You good? Okay, good. If you have to make sure your God is stable, you might want to get a different God. Amen? 
And there's even the, the story of, what is it, Dagon who falls before the ark and he gets all smashed to smithereens and the, the gods, uh, the, the servants of the gods, the priest of the false god Dagon come in with gorilla glue and they try to glue him back together. <laughs> Hold on, put a little bit more there on his arm. He'll be all right. <laughs> Look, you, you might want to reconsider what you're worshiping if you have to use gorilla glue for your god. This is what was happening. It seems so obvious to the true and living God that his people should not be doing this, but they did. And the Corinthians were kind of repeating the old mistakes. They were becoming arrogant. They thought that their theological position justified their actions. And in one way they were right, but in another way they were wrong. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, Though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. I can claim to have all the knowledge in the world, but if I don't operate in love, then Paul says, I'm nothing. The key is not to have a big head, but a big heart. The key is not to think that just because you know something or have wrestled with it a little bit that you've arrived. If anyone, 1 Corinthians 8, 2, supposes that he knows anything, he is not yet known as he ought to know. How long have you been studying the Bible? How much knowledge do you have of the Scriptures right now? I've been studying the Bible for the last 30 years and teaching it for the last about 25. And I feel that many times I've just tapped the surface of what's there. How much knowledge do you have of the universe right now? You know, when you think about the human mind, when you think about how much time we get on the planet, for us to be proud, for us to think that we've, we're all that, is a dangerous place to be. And the Corinthians had become indeed inflated. They supposed that they knew enough about this subject to be in some sort of debate with the Apostle Paul. If you look at 7, 1, uh, 1 Corinthians 7, 1, some scholars believe that they wrote, uh, this, uh, they wrote about this subject to Paul, now concerning the things about which you wrote. <clears throat> so it's possible that it came up there, but we're not certain. It could be just the ne- next subject that Paul needs, knows he needs to address. Or it could be, and this is what some scholars believe, an ongoing debate that Paul's having with the Corinthians about what they're doing and how they're living their life. Do you really have right knowledge on this one? Biblical knowledge, says one writer, must be informed by faith and directed by love. One writer says love is the mortar between the bricks of the Christian building. A know-it-all attitude, says Warren Wiersbe, is only evidence of ignorance. The person who really knows the truth is only too conscious of how much he does not know. Knowledge here on earth is at best incomplete. Now we see dimly in a mirror, then face to face. Furthermore, says Wearsby, it is one thing to know doctrine and quite something else to know God. You know, there are people in theological Uh, seminaries now bankrupt who deny the virgin birth the resurrection of Jesus Christ the, the deity of Christ who teach in theological circles know the original language 
know the historical context, have done a ton of research on manuscript evidence, and they don't know God. A reminder that this is a listener-supported ministry. Please give what you can when you visit walkintruth.com. If you can give a one-time gift of $360 or give $30 monthly, you'll partner with us to get this program on more stations, some secular, in 2020. We'll also make it so we can do more free apologetic events to equip the community. Learn how to donate on walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH during normal business hours. That's 844-48-TRUTH. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. I can claim to have all the knowledge in the world, but if I don't operate in love, then Paul says, I'm nothing. The key is not to have a big head, but a big heart. The key is not to think that just because you know something or have wrestled with it a little bit, that you've arrived. If anyone, 1 Corinthians 8-2, supposes that he knows anything, he is not yet known as he ought to know. How long have you been studying the Bible? How much knowledge do you have of the Scriptures right now? I've been studying the Bible for the last 30 years and teaching it for the last about 25. And I feel that many times I've just tapped the surface of what's there. How much knowledge do you have of the universe right now? You know, when you think about the human mind, when you think about how much time we get on the planet, for us to be proud, for us to think that we've, we're all that, is a dangerous place to be. And the Corinthians had become indeed inflated. They supposed that they knew enough about this subject to be in some sort of debate with the Apostle Paul. If you look at 7.1, uh, 1 Corinthians 7.1, some scholars believe that they wrote, uh, this, uh, they wrote about this subject to Paul, now concerning the things about which you wrote. <clears throat> so it's possible that it came up there, but we're not certain. It could be just the ne- next subject that Paul needs, knows he needs to address, Or it could be, and this is what some scholars believe, an ongoing debate that Paul's having with the Corinthians about what they're doing and how they're living their life. Do you really have right knowledge on this one? Biblical knowledge, says one writer, must be informed by faith and directed by love. One writer says love is the mortar between the bricks of the Christian building. A know-it-all attitude, says Warren Wiersbe, is only evidence of ignorance. The person who really knows the truth is only too conscious of how much he does not know. Knowledge here on earth is at best incomplete. Now we see dimly in a mirror, then face to face. Furthermore, says Wiersbe, it is one thing to know doctrine and quite something else to know God. 
You know, there are people in theological uh, seminaries now bankrupt who deny the virgin birth, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the, the deity of Christ, who teach in theological circles, know the original language, know the historical context, have done a ton of research on manuscript evidence, and they don't know God. They know information, but they don't know God. And the Corinthian church was allowing their pride to puff them up. Let me just say this. This is something I wrote in my notes. I'll say it to myself. If you're at a point where all you can do is correct and criticize, and you can't receive correction, or worse yet, you don't think you need it, you are in a dangerous spot. Let me say it one more time. If you're at a point where all you can do is correct and criticize others, and you can't receive correction, or worse yet, you don't think you need it, you are in a dangerous spot. And so Paul says, if anyone loves God, he is known by him. You see, the issue is, do you love God? It's not how much information do you have about God. It's do you love him? Because if you love God, then you will love his people. If you love God, then the love of God will flow out through your life. And I think this was is what Paul is saying. He's saying the crucial matter is love. If anyone loves God, implicit in the, question, in the verses, do you? Do I? If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he's a liar, says 1 John. And he's in darkness. We can say all day long, Lord, I love you, I love you. But if we can't even love the people next to us, how can we say that? So the Apostle Paul is challenging the Corinthians. You see, if you love God, then he knows you and you know him. 2 Timothy 2.19 says, The Lord knows those who are his. And so we are called to walk in love. Think about the apostles. They were bickering about which of them was going to be the greatest. They were asking for the special spots. You know, they even got their mom to come and ask Jesus, can my son sit here and there when you come into your kingdom? Right hand, left hand. Well, what about so-and-so? Well, you know, he'll have a spot somewhere. I just want to make sure I have the best seat, Right? And Jesus said, no, that's not the way it's going to be with you. The leaders of the Gentiles lorded over one another, but not so with you. For the greatest among you shall be what? Servant of all. You don't understand why I came, apparently. I didn't came to come to destroy men's lives. I came to save them. I am love in action. I am walking around to show you what love is. And people will know that you belong to me because of your love one for another. If we were to default to anything, brothers and sisters, if we were going to default to anything and say, hey, I want to err on this side, it should be the side of love. You see, love is not arrogant. It's not boastful. It's not self-seeking 
Love does not make it all about its rights. Love doesn't say, I have every right to eat that steak in that temple because theologically I believe I'm correct. At the expense of an argument with the Apostle Paul and other brothers and sisters who may be wounded by your actions? Yes. <laughs> and they dug their heels in. And so Paul has to correct them. Some of the lines in these uh, sections may come from them. Look at verse 4, chapter 8. I think for this morning we're only going to go to verse 6. We'll see how we do. <laughs> now God's people said, yeah, we already know where this is going. <laughs> Therefore, concerning the eating of things sacrificed to idols, back to our subject, we know that there is no such thing as an idol in the world and that there is no God but one. Now, we know there is no such thing as an idol in the world may be their phrase. And certainly, they would have learned this from Paul. Because Paul, even when he's preaching in the book of Acts, they tell a group of people to turn from these lifeless idols to the living God. So they might say, we're correct. An idol's nothing. Have you ever been somewhere and... Maybe you're, uh, we, were at a stay, we were staying at a place down by the beach. We had rented it. And there was a little Buddha statue in this little garden. And I went, oh, there's a Buddha. <laughs> what should I do? Should I, should I move the Buddha to the other side of the wall? It wasn't my home. But I did. I, I threw it. No, I'm just kidding. I, <laughs> no, it didn't freak me out. I know what the thing is, right? But I didn't go and eat my barbecue before it either. <laughs> right? Yeah, we, we can realize uh, that's just a statue. Somebody produced that. Somebody made that. There, there's no spirit or entity potentially in that. Okay. But what that represents for some people is precisely that. Have you ever seen some documentaries where people go up to statues and they kiss them or they genuflect before them or they kneel before them. In other parts of the world, these things are very real. And people, people you know, put a lot of stock in them. Of course it's true, an idol is nothing. There's no such thing as an idol in this sense. But in another sense, there are people who believe that there's an actual deity behind them. And remember, you're dealing with a culture where they were steeped in this kind of stuff. This was everyday affair for them. This is what they believed. New King James, therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and there is no God but one. Would you all mark that? There is only one God. All other gods, small g, are false. They're idols. But does the God of the Bible acknowledge the reality of idols? Yes. The first two of the top ten commandments do apply. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. You shall have no other, what? Gods before me. Now is the God of the Bible saying that there's other deities that he knows about who live on a different street than him? No.
You're listening to Walk in Truth. This was part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians 8, entitled, Knowledge Puffs Up, Love Builds Up. Remember to visit our website, walkintruth.com. It's our communication tool for you to learn more about our ministry, listen to programs you might have missed, get resources to help you in your Bible study, give a donation, and contact us with questions and prayer requests. Again, the website is walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, maybe you've heard the saying, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You know, this Christmas season affords us some really special opportunities as believers to give to people in need, to extend invitations to church. It seems like this season, people are a little softer towards the gospel, towards the hope of Jesus. And I don't have to tell you, my friend, my brother, sister, how much our world needs Jesus. And this is what we can do. Thinking about you know, the end of a Christmas week and moving into 2020, how about a renewed vigor to show the grace of God, to go around doing good and using that as an opportunity to explain why we do what we do, because it's Jesus in us, the hope of glory. So grateful that you listen to Walk in Truth. So grateful that you're along with us as a partner, as someone who's benefiting from the broadcast and learning and growing. We're so glad to be here together. Tell a friend about what you're hearing and tune in next time to Walk in Truth. We'll catch you then. Tune in Monday for part three of Pastor Michael's message in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 called Knowledge Puffs Up, Love Builds Up. I'm Mike Massaro. Enjoy the last weekend in 2019. And thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.